Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson this Monday here on WSB 9 after the hour and the phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Uh, we have an embassy in Jerusalem. It took not nearly as long to get this thing built as uh, some predicted. And not only that, <laughs> Congress did appropriate funds for it after Democrats said they wouldn't. And Chuck Schumer has come out and praised the President of the United States for putting the American embassy in Jerusalem. That is a major and significant accomplishment by the President. Iranians are offering $100,000 to the family of anyone who blows up the embassy. Yes, they are. Aren't you so glad Barack Obama gave them the money that they could offer up $100,000 to someone to do that? Um, the, the whole thing is nonsensical. Now, there is a story related in that Israel has killed several dozen Palestinians who were trying to storm through the gates into Israel to try to disrupt the embassy. And, you know, what's so crazy here is the media internationally is painting this as some sort of terrible sob story for the Palestinians. Oh, those, those nasty, awful Israelis. What was Israel supposed to do? Anybody? I mean, he, he, did anybody have anything to offer other than um, not? May, maybe they should have electrified the gates so the people who touched the fence to try to climb over were electrocuted to death instead of um, being shot to death. What could Israel have done? I mean, I, I hate to be crass here, uh, but let's just be blunt about it. You had um, 52 people killed. They were drummed up by a terrorist group, uh, activists, who were encouraged to storm through the border wall between Palestinian territory and Israel in order to go to Jerusalem to disrupt the opening of the American embassy. That was the entire purpose of the protest here, to try to take attention away from the embassy. It is, in fact, I assure you, part of their plan to get people killed so that the Israelis could be put in a negative light on a day of historic significance for Israel. That's what all of this was about. The, the Israelis were given no choice. They couldn't let these people come through because, again, what were they to do when they got through? They were going to head to Jerusalem to try to disrupt the event. So they were killed instead. And it must be pointed out that they were killed because of a Palestinian, Hamas is a terrorist group, a Palestinian terrorist group encouraging people to try to go to into Israel to protest and disrupt the opening of the American embassy in Israel's capital. Israel was given no choice but to defend its border, and they did. And the, the embassy opening, by the way, very historic. There were no Democrats present. The Democrats shied away from going. They didn't want to give the president a bipartisan moment. Chuck Schumer uh, foiled their plans by tweeting out his congratulations and his appreciation to the president for doing this, pointing out that Israel has always had its capital at Jerusalem, and this just uh, affirms what has always been. So a bipartisan moment there. Um, good for the President Day. This actually is a momentous occasion to have the American embassy in Jerusalem as all presidents, I, I want to say going back to Carter, uh, maybe not Carter, Reagan, the Bushes, Clinton, I think even Obama, 
had said they were going to do this and never did. And Donald Trump has yet again done something other president said they would and did not do. You know, real quick, um, we've got storms moving into the area over the next few days. I was actually supposed to be off on Wednesday uh, in Nashville. I had some uh, engagements up there. I was having a hard time getting out of I Yeah, that I wanted to get out of them. But then with the weather we're supposed to get into our area in the next 48 hours and whatnot, I figured it actually would be wiser for me to not take off on Wednesday and uh, be here with you guys helping out with radar and everything else. So I will be here on Wednesday when I wasn't supposed to be taking one for the team uh, for traffic. And all that is to say stick with WSB for traffic and weather over the next 48 hours. It has the potential to be a real mess. Um, Really, really nasty stuff headed up from Florida here. Not a tropical storm, but a tropical wave for sure bringing with it the potential for a lot of rain. Um, I want to talk about what the Supreme Court did today and that on sports gambling. There have been a lot of just bad misreporting on what the Supreme Court actually did. And it was very interesting to see Elena Kagan, probably the smartest of the liberals on the Supreme Court. Um, Anton Scalia was a huge fan of hers. Uh, disagreed with her, obviously, but uh, enjoyed having her on the court at an intellectual level. Uh, she sided with the conservatives on the court. And it was a very interesting decision because essentially what the court did was to say that uh, Congress can ban sports gambling. Congress has the authority to prohibit or regulate uh, gambling in sports, college and professional. But what Congress had done is it chose not to do that back in 1992. Congress passed a law in 1992, and what it did is it carved out exceptions and said, okay, this state is already doing it, Nevada, so we're going to let them do it. Um, These other states are not doing it, so they're not going to be allowed to do it. But this state over here, um, it's developing it, so we're going to allow them to do it, but only in the facilities they're developing, they're not going to be able to expand it. Essentially, what Congress did is it told states that states could not pass things those states constitutionally should be allowed to pass. The The whole case came out of New Jersey, where New Jersey wanted to um, do sports gambling. And the argument was that, well, people are already betting on baseball games and, and basketball games and college sports. It's a huge industry. And they were sued by the NCAA and others saying, no, you're not allowed to do this under this law. They appealed it to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, well, wait a minute, Congress isn't actually regulating. Congress isn't actually banning. All Congress is doing is saying states are prohibited from doing these sorts of things unless they've already done them. And and Congress can't discriminate in that way between the states, saying, well, this state already got ahead of the game, so we're going to let it slide, and these others we're not going to. Um, That's a violation of federalism. Um, It was a state's rights issue, and Elena Kagan sided with the majority on the state's rights case. It was a a fascinating dichotomy, Um, and the minority on the court, you know, Stephen Breyer noted that he was with the court saying that um, this key provision had to be struck down. He was against them with the court saying that the whole law had to be struck down. 
And then, of course, uh, Sotomayor and Ruth Bader Ginsburg were opposed uh, because they are really opposed to the state's rights concept these days. But it, it was actually a very interestingly decided case in the Supreme Court, and it was all about states' rights, that Congress cannot preempt state regulatory power telling states what they can and cannot do in this area uh, when Congress itself has the power to do those things. Um, so Congress could have regulated or, or prohibited, but it can't tell states you're not allowed to do it uh, when they have every right to unless Congress prohibits. It's just fascinating. Good case for states' rights. It's going to be interesting to see how this decision plays out over time. Let me stop for just a minute and promote one of our sponsors. Thanks to Dollar Shave Club for sponsoring this week's show. And, you know, I was actually one of the original members of Dollar Shave Club. Back in the day, I was a lawyer when they came out. They had that awesome ad, and I totally bought into it because I was tired of paying for my razors um, at the grocery store price. It is a great company, and the razors are very, very solid. You go to dollarshaveclub.com, and you can see they got more than just razors, and it's so much better than shopping in a grocery store and you know so i got they sent me a packet before this promo began as if i needed them because i got some um but they got a great razor and they've got great shave cream they've got a body cleanser they even have the one wipe charlie's i'll let you decide whether or not you like them or not but you know it's a great it's a great product uh really really do like it uh their dr carver shave butter is fantastic and given that i am prone to rashes and whatnot i only shave every other day because of it i'm sure you wanted to know that um but it actually works and i don't break out uh so i highly do recommend dollar shave club i have been a dollar shave club member for well gosh i was a lawyer it's been a long time since i've you how long have they been around? i don't know anyway they've been around forever um solid solid company great people great idea too they were the first you got all these other competitors out there and they were the first to come out and say you know what we can beat the other guys so a great innovator. You can clean up your bathroom and your morning routine. Join Dollar Shave Club today for just $5. With free shipping, you'll get the six-blade executive razor plus trial sizes of shave butter, body cleanser, one-wipe Charlie's. Then keep the blades coming for a few bucks more a month. Way cheaper than what you'll get at the grocery store, by the way. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash Eric. Real quick, we don't need to spend a lot of time on this. Uh, I was talking to Scott Slade about it this morning. The president uh, tweeting out he wanted to help China help ZTE, the phone manufacturer, Huawei uh, and ZTE are the big Chinese phone manufacturers. We shouldn't be doing this. Um, forget the free market principles, uh, but on free market principles alone, uh, we should not be helping ZTE, a failed Chinese phone manufacturer. We should absolutely not be helping them on that ground alone. Let the free market do it. But there's a bigger issue here. ZTE is owned by a Chinese company that is essentially a subsidiary of the Chinese military. The Pentagon has not only banned uh, sales of ZTE and Hawaii phones in their uh, stores, they are prohibiting ZTE from using American component parts in their cell phones. And the reason they're doing so is because they view it as a potential security issue, national security issue, where they believe and others believe that ZTE is using its phones to spy on behalf of China, uh, surreptitiously activating the microphones and cameras on their cell phones to record and transmit data uh, from particular people or from particular sites. You know, I've had several security people tell me I needed to delete uh, the DJ, DJI app on my phone. I, I have a drone 
have a Phantom 4 Pro, very much love it, uh, and was encouraged to get one of the ones that has the built-in um, Android device controller on, on the remote control. I, I had had the DJI app, and I loved using my iPhone to control it. I, I thought it was a better app than what they had on that Android clunky, slow device. But security experts have told me I'm insane, insane to run a DJI app on my phone. Um, huge security issues. Huge, huge, huge. And so I don't think we should be helping a potential espionage agent of China out of their bankruptcy mess. Now, I want to mention something. Um, this is this is my summer planning for you. I actually I'm going to take the kids to one of these. This is your non-political topic, non-big news topic of the day. The Solus Hotel. I've stayed at a very nice hotel by Porsche. Uh, very, very nice overlook on the top floor, overlooking the runway at the airport. You can watch the planes. You can watch the Porsche track. Um, the airport, the Solus Hotel, it's at uh, 2 Porsche Drive. And it is going to, in their parking lot, have drive-in movie nights this summer where they're going to feature movies that have Porsches. Um, they're running Risky Business on May 19th, Le Mans with Steve McQueen on June 9th, Top Gun on June 16th, Dream Machine on July 14th. You'll be able to pick up the sound through the FM uh, receiver in your car. Really a neat idea. Uh, I saw that and thought, man, you guys need to know about that. Uh, curbed.com, Atlanta.curbed.com has the details on that. Uh, when we come back, the Democrats may not win the House now. New data. I'll tell you about it. It's 39 after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. Welcome back to the program. As I mentioned when we were headed into break, there is new data that is starting to worry Democrats, and it should worry the Democrats. It is, it's becoming increasingly likely and again, I need to preface this by we're talking, we are May 14th. The election is November. The candidates matter. The primaries are really just beginning. So there are a lot of variables here, but um, it, it's not as likely today as it was even three weeks ago that the Democrats have a lock on the House of Representatives. If I were to call it, I would tell you that, yes, I still think the Democrats take the House, but barely. And the reason I say that is because of just the historic norms. The party that controls the White House tends to uh, get beaten in off-year elections, as the Democrats did in 2010 and 2014, as it happened with the Republicans in 2006. Um, the only exception there being 2002, and that was because of war. Um, that is a 2002 is a historic anomaly going all the way back to FDR, though. The party out of the White House tends to do better in off year elections, um, tends to make gains. So all of that is to say that the odds are still in the Democrats favor for the House, not necessarily the Senate, though. And I keep an eye out on these things and I pay attention to people like Sean Trendy uh, at Real Clear Politics who really pays attention to these things and other pollsters out there. And they're all noting that the decline in the generic ballot for the Democrats is a real thing now. Um, everyone says pay attention to the average, not the individual polls. I am one of those people as well. And the average is trickling towards the Republicans. But not only that, the president's popularity is continuing to go up. And the Democrats have a unique disadvantage right now. And it is a disadvantage. And that disadvantage is called 
the media. Because so many people are rail against the president on a daily basis, polling is showing, interviews with people are showing, uh, that more and more Americans are more and more easily tuning out the various supposed scandals. Essentially, what is happening is the moderate and independent voter are in a position now where they're saying, you know what, I don't like the president. I think he's a bad guy, but my life's okay right now. Things are going well, so why should we turn this upside down? And that's having an impact on Democrats because so many of the Democratic solutions right now are to go full left on so many issues. The Democrats want to go full left on gun control. Well, that's not a winning issue with the majority of Americans. The Democrats want to go full left on abortion. That's not a winning issue with the majority of Americans. The Democrats want to go full left on tax hikes. That's not a winning issue with the majority of Americans. The Democrats want to go full left on immigration. That's not a winning issue with the majority of Americans. And on and on it goes. Um, and so the Democratic political parties, you get the best sense that they know there's something wrong by the fact that the Democratic Party is now beginning to actively intervene in elections on behalf of moderates. And that's making progressive activists very, very angry. And that is a big warning sign that Democratic strategists tend to understand that their party is uh, wobbling out of control to the left in a way that turns off most Americans. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is, I don't care who you are right now listening. I don't care how far left you are, how far right you are, what race you are, what ethnicity you are, what religious beliefs you have. The fact of the matter is your life is not uh, significantly worse off than it was before Donald Trump was elected. In fact, the odds are your, your life is actually better than it was when Donald Trump was elected. The economy is better. Um, the tax cut put real money in people's pockets. Your life is actually better. And this is being reflected in the polling. And people really don't have a reason to vote against the Republicans, um, despite all the polls showing that uh, people have turned against the Republican tax proposal because they don't like Donald Trump. The reality is that, that deep down, they actually like the tax reform package and they don't want to get rid of it. I had to take my braces off while Mark was talking. Um, so, you know, I'm, I've got these Invisalign braces things in because my... I, when I was a kid, I had a quack dentist who pulled some teeth he shouldn't have, and over time it's caused me problems, and I'm having to realign my teeth. And, man, my gums are bleeding now. As I've been talking, the Invisalign have been cutting into my gum. So if I sounded a little bit mushy mouth, I wasn't drunk. I just had these braces in, and they've been gnawing into my gums, and, and so now I'm bleeding. But nonetheless, I'm sure you wanted to know, TMI, Erickson, TMI. Okay, when we come back, Michael Williams has a new ad out. Uh, I haven't played any of his TV ads because there haven't been any, but uh, there is one, and it plays well with his core constituency that he's going after. We are back. Michael Williams has a new ad. I think this is his only TV ad. Um, and I don't know where it is being broadcast entirely. Uh, it's being pushed out, though. Uh, he's got a small ad by. He's mostly on radio. But here's his TV ad. Uh, Destroy the Corrupt Establishment is the title of his ad. I'm Michael Williams, candidate for governor. I was the first elected official in Georgia to endorse Donald Trump. I even served as his state co-chair. Where were my opponents? They wouldn't even endorse Trump against Hillary. No matter what they claim during election season, they're all owned by the establishment. 
That's why I'm self-funding my own campaign. I'll cut taxes, deport illegals, and destroy the corrupt establishment. I'm Michael Williams, the pro-Trump conservative for governor. I'm asking for your vote. Listen, yeah, for Michael Williams' campaign, you can't get better branding with that. Uh, he has been running as the pro-Trump guy. He is the first. He's one of the first state officials anywhere to come out for Donald Trump. Um, he was definitely the first in Georgia to come out for Trump. People thought he was nuts, uh, and, and he picked the winning team. And so he is running as the Trump guy. And that will help him with his core constituency. Um, strategically, I, I'm, I'm still not sure it's it's the smart thing to do, but that ad is is directly on message. Now, when we come back, we got to focus on the Democrats in Georgia just a little bit, even for Schadenfreude purposes. Um, it is turning ugly on the Democratic side. One of the reasons it's turning ugly on the Democratic side is because they're not going to have a runoff. They got two candidates, Stacey versus Stacey. Uh, we'll get nasty in, in the Republican runoff once they've picked a winner on their side. And then the Chamber of Commerce in Georgia is ta- attacking good conservatives. Uh, you need to know about the candidates they're attacking under the radar, uh, hoping that they can pick them off and get more moderate people in the state legislature. I will tell you what's happening when we come back. And we're back for the second hour. Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. Um, I want to spend some time talking about the Democratic race for governor here in Georgia, but first uh, I'll offer up uh, just a word for Melania Trump. Mrs. Trump in the hospital overnight had some surgery related to a benign kidney condition. She is said to be doing well, and you know and I know that some millennial hipster leftist reporter uh, who pretends to be objective will, within a matter of hours, write a story on whether or not the president goes to the hospital, and if he does, how much time he spends there suggesting uh, the, the entire purpose of the story being to uh, call their marriage into question. That's exactly what will happen. You know it and I know it's going to happen. It's pathetic and it is predictable. Um, what is also predictable in the Democratic race for governor here in Georgia is uh, heating up on, as a matter of race. Um, it really is interesting. Now, you should know the AJC is reporting that uh, turnout is up in the Democratic primary compared to four years ago. But then four years ago, there really wasn't a primary. Michelle Nunn and Jason Carter were all but coronated. Uh, but black voters are up 38 percent. White voters up 68 percent. White voting is up pretty significantly in the northern metro area where you've got some congr- Democratic congressional primaries. They're convinced they can beat people like Karen Handel. And uh, Rob Woodall, we'll see if they actually can. I'm not sure they can, but they're going to try. But there is a a race dynamic uh, in this election that Democrats don't like to talk about, the the race card being played in their own primaries. Uh, The AJC had a poll that showed that Stacey Abrams, who is black, has a two-to-one lead over Stacey Evans, and that uh, half of likely Democratic voters are undecided, and that Abrams has uh, more support from black voters. Now, Evans responded by launching an attack ad on TV that had a a young black lady um, condemning the Abrams deal with Republicans in 2011 to save hope. 
And what's so interesting is, you know, the candidates never want to say this. There's a there's a far greater level of discussion about race that happens in Democratic primaries than Republican primaries. Even though the media loves to tar and feather Republicans as racist, uh, Stacey Evans is being attacked by Democratic mouthpieces as, as being racist, as hiding behind a, a black woman to attack a black woman. It's very interesting. Stacey Evans sent out a mail piece. She is white. She sent out a mail piece that has all the, the prominent black leaders in Georgia who are supporting her, targeted the black community with it, and you've got people out there screaming, no, she didn't put herself in it because she didn't want people to know she's white. It's really amazing to see race being used as a weapon. I will remind you that last year, even the AJC notes this, supporters of Stacey Abrams, let me just read this to you. I'm going to read this paragraph. Abrams supporters shouted Evans down at an August gathering of progressives, progressives, I'm sorry, progressives, with cries of trust black women. Evans fumbled her own pursuit of black voters with an ill-judged video of her attendance at Ebenezer Baptist Church for Martin Luther King Jr. Day ceremony. Trust black women. Evans was shouted down by Abram supporters. Remember, I, I told you about this event. Elizabeth Warren had to essentially rescue Stacey Evans from the stage because the Abram supporters turned it into a racial issue. And it looks like they're doing it again. Um, they do not like the fact that Evans has black support and they are trying to tar and feather her as a racist for that black support. Um, and I just, I tell you, listen, whether Stacey Abrams is behind this stuff or not, I think it's going to come back to bite her in the general election. Um, I mean, look what happened with John Ossoff and all the left-wing support he got from out of state. I think you're going to see something very similar happen uh, from the GOP. You got Kamala Harris, uh, nut job wackadoo leftist from California coming in to support Stacey Abrams. That's going to come back to haunt her. Um, gun control is going to become an issue, um, and uh, school choice is going to become an issue. All of these things will become issues. Um, so we will see the spillover of the negative Democratic primary in the general election. Now, let's move over to the Republican side here. Uh, I have not talked about Matt Gertler uh, a lot. I saw Michael Williams came out in support of him earlier today. Uh, Matt Gertler is up in northwest Georgia, and the Chamber of Commerce and the House leadership is out to get him. He's a Republican. Uh, and the reason that they are out to oppose Matt Gertler is because he opposes uh, big-spinning Republican ideas. You know, this is one of the frustrations with this race, is Republicans all the time say they want someone to go to either Washington or Atlanta and actually read the legislation and say this is bad, um, that you shouldn't be spending this money or whatnot. And that's exactly what Matt Gertler has done. Whether you agree with him or not, he's gone to the legislature and he votes against Republican legislation more than even most Democrats do. He votes against their budget. He votes against their tax increases. He votes against the transportation plan, on and on and on and on. Matt Gertler votes against Republican leaders. And that has angered his Republican colleagues, and they are raising money to to fight him and to oppose him in the primary. And, and he's getting some media attention on this. The number of Republicans who have come out to oppose him, the, the Speaker of the House, uh, and the Chamber of Commerce and whatnot. And the same thing's happening to Marty Harbin, by the way, down in Tyrone. Good conservative in the state Senate, Senate District 16. Uh, the Chamber of Commerce folks, the Georgia Coalition for Job Creation, they are 
trying to beat Marty Harbin. They're trying to beat him with a yes man for uh, leadership, a yes man for big business. I mean, so a group down there has pulled the disclosures of this Georgia Coalition for Job Creation, which is trying to beat Marty Harbin. Uh, you have AT&T is giving them money. Coca-Cola is giving them money. Delta is giving them money. The Georgia Chamber uh, has given them money. Oh, multiple uh, checks. The Georgia Chamber of Commerce State PAC, Georgia Chamber of Commerce Independent Expenditure, Independent Expenditure Committee, Georgia Chamber Political Affairs Council, Georgia Power Company, Metro Atlanta Chamber of Commerce, MGM Resorts. Why? Because they support casinos. They're out to beat the people who oppose the casinos. So they're out to get Marty Harbin, the incumbent Republican. And the reason they're out to get Marty Harbin, the incumbent Republican, is because he so often opposes uh, the big government proposals from the Chamber of Commerce. They're doing this throughout the state. Uh, Y'all need to support Matt Gertler. You need to support guys like Marty Harbin. This is why I'm going to do this resurgent Georgia group and just do a scorecard of the legislature so you can actually see who the real conservatives are. Because these uh, Georgia Coalition for Job Creation, this is also the group that accused Michael Williams of beating his wife back in the day. Um, the, this is a group that opposes the religious liberty legislation. These are This is bad news, not good people. We need to stand up and oppose people like this, groups like this. We need to stand up and support people like Matt Gertler, who's just doing what he said he was going to do, and support guys like Marty Harbin. Sad to see the Georgia Chamber trying to beat conservatives so that they can get all their big business, casino gambling, and anti-religious liberty agenda through the legislature. Let me stop for just a minute and promote one of our sponsors. Thanks to Dollar Shave Club for sponsoring this week's show. And, you know, I was actually one of the original members of Dollar Shave Club. Back in the day, I was a lawyer when they came out. They had that awesome ad, and I totally bought into it because I was tired of paying for my razors um, at the grocery store price. It is a great company, and the razors are very, very solid. You go to dollarshaveclub.com, and you can see they got more than just razors, and it's so much better than shopping in a grocery store and you know so i got they sent me a packet before this promo began as if i needed them because i got some um but they got a great razor and they've got great shave cream they've got a body cleanser they even have the one wipe charlie's i'll let you decide whether or not you like them or not but you know it's a great it's a great product uh really really do like it uh their dr carver shave butter is fantastic and given that i am prone to rashes and whatnot i only shave every other day because of it i'm sure sure you wanted to know that um but it actually works and i don't break out uh so i highly do recommend dollar shave club i have been a dollar shave club member for well gosh i was a lawyer it's been a long time since i've you how long have they been around? i don't know anyway they've been around forever um solid solid company great people great idea too they were the first you got all these other competitors out there and they were the first to come out and say you know what we can beat the other guys so a great innovator. You can clean up your bathroom and your morning routine. Join Dollar Shave Club today for just $5. With free shipping, you'll get the six-blade executive razor plus trial sizes of shave butter, body cleanser, one-wipe Charlie's. Then keep the blades coming for a few bucks more a month. Way cheaper than what you'll get at the grocery store, by the way. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash Eric. Y'all, I am a big fan of Insurance Commissioner Ralph Hudgens. Um, He is a true conservative. 
and he has long stood with conservatives in the legislature and now as insurance commissioner, um, very opposed to expanding Obamacare, uh, very opposed to the, the federal regulatory state when it comes to insurance, very much supports the free market, uh, socially conservative. I, I really like Ralph Hutchins. He is a, a, a conservative's conservative and a good Christian man. I like him a lot. And I had to take notice when Ralph Hudgens threw his support behind Jay Florence to replace him as insurance commissioner. Ralph is retiring uh, from public service altogether. He's uh, retiring from the insurance commissioner's office. And I really hope you guys will consider supporting Jay Florence. This is a difficult race to run because it is a statewide race of very low name ID. And the person who has the most name recognition tends to win. And, you know, Florence's, Jay Florence's opponent worked for um, Ralph Hudgens as Ralph Hudgens' chief of staff in the insurance commissioner's office and was fired um, for essentially working two jobs and billing them or saying he worked 40 hours a week at both places at the same time. And he got fired. And I think that matters. And when Ralph Hudgens speaks, people should listen. And one of the things he has done is he's uh, thrown a support behind Jay Florence. And I hope you will consider voting for Jay Florence. Uh, I don't know him well. We've gotten to know each other. I told him I would support him. Uh, highly thought of in the North Metro Atlanta area. As a, He's just he's a good guy. Uh, youthful. He'll be one of the younger elected Republicans in the state if he were to get elected. Um, people speak very, very highly of him, who I know and respect, including Ralph. So, Please, when you get there on the ballot and you're just not sure, vote for Jay Florence for insurance commissioner. I think he'll do a good job. And honestly, I just I trust Ralph Hudgens. Uh, I, I very much do. And when Ralph says this is the conservative and this is the good guy, I, I go with that. Um, all things being equal. I've had a number of people reach out and say I should support the other guy. Um, but Ralph Hudgens is a man of, of great integrity. I know most of you think very highly of him as well, so uh, go with Jay Florence for insurance commissioner, but uh, I need you to tell your friends to do the same because this race is about name ID. Whoever has the highest name ID will win, so go support Jay Florence. And when we come back, vegan activist parents and Mother's Day and the left why do they have to politicize Mother's Day? If you know that you should know, I should put it to you that way, you should know the name Tom Steyer. Tom Steyer is a, a gay billionaire, and yes, being gay matters because he agitates for gay rights. He agitates against Christians. Uh, specifically, he's very, very hostile to people of faith. And he is one reason Governor Deal did not sign the Religious uh, Freedom Restoration Act in Georgia. Steyer hired out-of-state activists to pretend to be in-state Georgia activists, and they scared people like the Speaker and people like the Governor into opposing religious liberty. They claimed to be Georgia residents, and they weren't. He bragged about it in the media, as did his group. Um, this is He's very hostile to people of faith. Uh, there have been allegations in the past that, that he has people who have targeted people of faith. I don't know whether that's true or not, um, but from credible sources um, that, that his groups do. He's also an environmental activist. He's running ads around the country to impeach President Trump. And he has decided to politicize Mother's Day with this ad. That's actually, it's a really stupid ad. Listen to this ad. I started noticing some issues with him maybe in middle school. The stealing started out small, a few dollars here and there. 
not from me, oddly enough, but from less fortunate kids. He was never afraid to talk with girls. <laughs> but things never really worked out for some reason. I worried when he went to college, but he came home often. I guess he never really learned to do his own laundry. <laughs> it wasn't until I met his college buddies that I realized it might be too late. Only a mother can catch the signs early. This Mother's Day, talk to your child about the GOP. I wish I had. Next Gen America is the name, but it's so it's so stupid to begin with. She's throwing back martinis, looking at the pictures of her son when she says he he was always good with talking to girls. He's holding up a sign saying "baby killer." Um, I, I I listen. One thing I have learned is that political consultants of both parties love to milk billionaires for money for stupid things, and this just seems like a vanity project um, that it's not going to be good. But there really is something noxious about liberals politicizing holidays every year it seems like a left-wing publication runs articles about how to win the argument at thanksgiving with your racist uncle how to talk to your trump loving parents at christmas now talk to your kids about joining the republican party for mother's day it's just it's dumb but more than that it really treats people it, it tries to treat people um pejoratively based on their political views. Listen, I, I don't think that if you support Democrats um, that you are definitely a, a, a terrible monster. You, I disagree with you politically. And I think that the policies that the Democratic Party hurt uh, harm Christians, harm small businesses, harm families, harm kids, harm the country. But you disagree with me. Um, and we have a political disagreement. But that a political disagreement used to not make you a monster, but both sides now have a vested interest in portraying the other side as a monster for disagreeing politically. And, and this guy is, is amping it up to new levels. And when Democrats talk about the president being divisive, they have a billionaire out there running ads to politicize Mother's Day uh, against Republicans. Just remember that when Democrats start getting all hot and bothered about something the president has said. Uh, that they've got a billionaire out there. Doesn't matter. He's a billionaire trying to shape the Democratic Party. Um, so that Tom Steyer thing also reminded me there is a, a column in the Washington Post, their on parenting section for Mother's Day. I'm proud of my little vegans, but sometimes their activism gets awkward. Uh, let me let me read you this. This is a question submitted. I'm raising my kindergarten age twins vegan for ethical reasons. We often talk about why we don't eat animals or drink the milk meant for their babies. My question is how to handle it when my girls tell kids at the park or on play dates that drinking milk is mean. On the other hand, it's an awkward moment when my kids scold their friends for something their friends have no control over. But on the other hand, I'm proud of my little vegan activists. How should I handle moments such as these? I mean, personally, my answer is hand your kids over to child services so they can be adopted by someone. <laughs> oh, I know that's mean, but sure. I mean, you're, you're raising your kindergarten twins uh, for ethical reasons to be vegan, not for health reasons. Um, you, you're, you're, yeah, uh, I just know, um, man, I feel sorry for these kids. Thank God. That's not my mother. Um, maybe we should all pray for these kids that their mother has a change of heart. My goodness. Ugh. 
I had to go over to Loganville on Saturday for a funeral, really a memorial service at the Cross in Loganville. Now, first of all, please spare me all of my friends who live over in the Snellville-Loganville area. I, I, I couldn't make time for you. I had to go to a memorial service. I was there for two and a half hours. I had to leave early um, for my friend Blinda Singh, um, who... She and her husband, Mark, ran Armed Citizens of Georgia. Uh, they they taught Christian me self-defense uh, and how to, how to use guns. And it was uh, very sad to learn of her passing and was happy to go to the memorial service. She was also a, a counselor. And it, it profound to listen to stories of people who one person made such a difference in other people's lives and I, I was thinking of this, uh, Scott Slade and I were talking this morning after his show about what advice I would give kids in a graduation speech. We'll talk about this a little bit tomorrow, probably on his show. Um, and I would say, don't, 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 how am I trying to phrase this? Um, don't have contact with people digitally at the expense of the dinner table. Um, be in touch with people face-to-face in real time. Millennials in particular are seeing an increase in loneliness because they are replacing their real lives with digital lives and confusing the two. Uh, And man, that memorial service, just the the real lives who were impacted by one person through face-to-face loving contact with someone. Um, Belinda Singh, just an amazing human being. The world is... Uh, even though most of you have probably never heard of her, um, the world is a worse off place because of her passing. Um, but it's just, it's really striking to think now in this world how so often we are depriving ourselves of real human contact and replacing it with digital contact, which just isn't the same. It's not the same psychologically, it's not the same emotionally. You need real people in your lives. Um, so on that note, I will get out of here. Y'all, seriously, be sure to tune in to WSB in the next 48 hours uh, for traffic and weather because these storms are coming through. They're expecting lots of rain. It could really mess up traffic as well. So stick with us. Uh, we'll treat you right and get you home and to the office safe. Have a good night.